Hello again, and welcome to another episode in my podcast series on the business of healthcare. I'm Lonnie Hirsch. Our topic today is the now ubiquitous term, patient experience. And our guest today is Janice Gray, founding partner at DTA Associates, a Minnesota-based healthcare consulting firm whose expertise includes patient experience consulting. Janice, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. So the term patient experience obviously covers a very broad category of services, experiences, and communications, and is defined differently by different healthcare organizations. So what is the biggest misconception that you find in healthcare organizations when they try to define and to implement some sort of effective patient experience program and uh, protocol? You know, that's a great question. I I would have to say that the number one thing that I find is a misconception out there is that there's just not one silver bullet to magically improve the patient experience. I kind of wish there was. Um, But there's really, I mean, there's some essential steps that can help organizations, uh, but there's really not an easy fix. And the reality is that I find organizations that have really succeeded in this space have had to devote significant amount of time and resources and have really had to try some things, plural, (laughs) in order to achieve their success. And I think it's essential that whomever is leading these efforts in the organization really be comfortable and able to handle that type of ambiguity and really communicate the need for that type of patience to really go the distance throughout the organization. Um, I'm on, you know, several listservs related to patient experience, and one of them recently ended in a post um, that had this phrase, kind of like, good luck, and if anyone discovers the silver bullet, do share. And I think this sentiment is not only true for those who are working in the field each and every day, but it's really true for the leaders of those organizations as well. I mean, everyone is out there looking for that silver bullet, kind of a quick fix, something that just solves all of their patient experience problems, and really something to make it easier in this work. I guess I would say that the closest thing that I've ever found to this type of a said silver bullet um, is a combined approach of really training supplemented with a reinforced one-on-one personal kind of a shadow coaching experience. And what I've found that makes this so powerful is really the individualized approach. When we talk about improving these concepts of you know, courtesy and respect and listening carefully and explaining things in a way that patients can understand, demonstrating empathy, addressing pain, or engaging in shared decision-making, a lot of those things are really best assessed in the moment when you're there with an actual patient encounter. And for most of the physicians and staff that I end up working with, you know, when they sit in a class or a training session and they learn about these concepts or are re-reminded of them, if you will, um, they often say that they just I don't, they don't really know how they do on those aspects. There's kind of a general personal positive bias that we think that we might do better of, on those types of things than other people because, I mean, let's face it, no one really wants to do a bad job of communicating and deliberately disrespecting people. When I've had the opportunity to work one-on-one with care team members, I've just seen the power of that that type of a modality can have. And really, it's probably the closest thing to that silver bullet that organizations are out there looking for. I guess a related question then would be, 
um, what is the most frequently overlooked or misunderstood component of patient experience? You know, that's a that's another good question. You're right, it's related to it. And I think the thing that I would see is that it's more than just the scores. Um, I was asked to write a, an HCAPS handbook a couple of years ago, and I told the publisher I wanted it to be more than that. So we, we titled it Beyond CAPS, A Guide to Achieving Patient and Family-Centered Care. And the reality is that now there's not many areas across the healthcare continuum that don't have some kind of requirement for patient experience surveying. So you have HCAPs in the hospitals, CGCAPs in the clinics, home health CAPs in the home health land, and many other varietals uh, soon to be emerging within the HCAPs or within the CAP surveys. The reality is that value-based purchasing is alive and well, and it's not just in patient experience. It really extends to the quality and other outcomes as well. There's there's no sort shortage of really those compulsories, if you will, in this space. And to really succeed in this area, you have to be well-versed in them and keep up with them as they change, know how to navigate them, and really communicate and educate others about it. But in my work with organizations, I've just found that the reality is that those compulsories alone are just not enough to help drive significant improvement. There's really few staff, leaders, or physicians out there who I can say are completely motivated to improve based on just their CAPS requirements alone. These compulsories, I would say, are necessary and have really helped to elevate the focus on patient experience across the country, but they alone are not going to drive the improvement that's needed. Um, thus, I see them as necessary, but really insufficient to completely drive the change that most organizations need to succeed in this area. In addition to mastering these compulsories, you really just have to master the art of building beyond them and building the organization to focus beyond that. Like I said, the reality is there's just so much more to this than just the scores. Um, patient experience is so much more than a response on a survey or a number on a scorecard, and yet I just see so many well-meaning leaders really get caught up in this. The challenge I find for those leading patient experience efforts in the healthcare organizations today is really that the data and the scores are only part of the story and how they can help people understand that it goes beyond that is really the challenge before them. Well, then following that, translating the concept and the strategy for patient experience into an effective implementation of process and protocols is clearly where the heaviest lifting is required and uh, the mission must feel overwhelming. So where do you usually recommend that healthcare organizations start in this process so that it seems doable? Yeah, that's a great point because it really can feel overwhelming, especially if you're performing well below the 50th percentile. And honestly, that's where my team is often engaged to help an organization is when they just don't know where to begin. Uh, we'll come in and do an assessment and help them determine where best to start. And, you know, in the absence of any outside resource to help the organization do that, um, here's what I would suggest. Um, I tell people to really look at your data and what your patients are telling you. This requires going beyond just your CAPS data, like we were just talking about, and really be sure to include other sources of your patient voices. So this could be from any patient and family advisory groups you might have, 
looking at your patient comments, any patient complaints that have come into the organization, and any responses that you may be receiving off of any leader rounding efforts that are happening across the organization. So these collective data can then really help you know where you want to focus in terms of an area or two that is really coming from your patients in a variety of sources. So the first thing is just really look and see what your area of focus will be based on the data and what your patients are telling you. The next thing I recommend that organizations do is really set themselves up for success. And what I talk about in this is really trying to create your village. What I mean by that is being really thoughtful about how you're going to approach this work. One of the first considerations that you think of from a, is like a sponsorship or a steering team oversight, as well as how you're going to involve frontline improvement leadership, is when you think about what's the scope of these efforts. Are we looking across the entire continuum that your organization might serve? So you might be focused on hospitals, clinics, home health, long-term care, emergency departments, ambulatory surgery, or is there a specific area within there that you're going to be focused on. Um, For many organizations to take that whole spectrum is just a huge scope that they can't really um, get overwhelmed by. In others, they'll choose to deploy the resources to very specific areas. So we're going to focus just on our hospitals at this point, and we're going to focus within there um, on our pain management and our nursing communication, for example. Um, Once you've kind of determined where the organization needs to focus, then it's really essential to determine what level of leadership you need to adequately lead this work within your organization. So depending on the culture of your organization, do you need to have someone in the C-suite, like a CXO or chief experience officer that's leading this work? Or can it be accomplished with a patient experience director or manager who then has an executive sponsor in the C-suite? And really, who will govern and sponsor this work from both a steering team as well as an executive leadership perspective? However, I would just say that regardless of whatever type of structure you determine and can operationalize and resource within your organization, I still believe in this village principle of really needing more people than just the CEO, the executive sponsor, the CXO, or the patient experience director to care about patient experience in the organization to truly transform the culture of your organization and make meaningful improvements in service experience, I just feel like it takes a village. And one of the best ways to create this village, if you will, is to form some component of a steering committee um, for your, to really oversee those patient experience efforts in the organization. And when you put that together, I always really advocate that you have the presence of patients on there. So one to three patients who might also serve on a patient and family advisory council, several frontline staff and physicians from around the organization, and then have it led by, you know, a dyad of either the executive sponsor and the director or manager for patient experience or a CXL. Finding those people to participate in a group like this who truly have a genuine passion for the work is so important, and it really can help to make those efforts blossom and be sustained throughout the organization. The third thing that I would say after you kind of get your your scope together and start to um, determine how you're going to structure this is really work to build a frontline team of engaged staff and physicians. 
there's multiple reasons that people might care about this work. And it's really essential, I think, that you make the case for patient and family-centered care to extend beyond one leader, one staff member, or one department. And so I've found that in order to do this well, you really have to articulate the, the whiffums or what's in it for me for certain key groups. So depending on the audience that I might be talking to or the role of the person that you're encountering, uh, there may be different strategies about how to make the case for patient experience. Um, there's a variety of methods that I've found that I use to really appeal to executives, physicians, and staff. Um, I'll try to refrain from making too many stereotypes uh, here because I honestly find that it really varies from person to person, uh, what resonates with them and appeals to them. But across some broad categories, I have found what seems to work with various groups, and there's several strategies that I try to use when I'm approaching people about patient experience and why it's important and why they might care about it. So broadly stated, these would follow in the following categories, kind of what if it were me or my family, the employee engagement, physician satisfaction, and patient experience connection, how those three are related, sometimes looking at the financial implications and reasons the public image and transparency of the organization, and then also uh, looking at patient activation and engagement is uh, another component. I will say that rarely would I presume to start with the financial elements associated with these compulsories of patient experience surveys. Um, to many caregivers and physicians, I would say they find that almost to be insulting. Most of them entered the healthcare profession with just an innate desire to really help people and make a difference in their lives. And so I generally try to appeal to people on more of a personal or emotional level when trying to engage them with this component of why they want to be um, involved with work related to improving the patient experience. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I know. So, um, here's a question related to that. How long uh, should healthcare organizations allow to effectively integrate a strong patient experience program across the organization? I mean, obviously, the larger the organization, the more time might be required, but uh, where is the common denominator, if there is one, uh, regarding expectations about the timeline? That's a good question. You know, I get to work with various healthcare systems across the country, and I would have to honestly tell you that I've seen many struggle to really get this going in less than 18 months. And that's not something that executives like to hear when they really want their data improved yesterday. Um, but realistically, I find that to get the right people in place, to get the steering team structure, like I was just talking about, getting that all set up, and really starting to adequately communicate this throughout the organization to ensure that buy-in and those frontline, what in, what's in it for me, things we were just talking about, all of that takes time. Um, furthermore, you usually have to budget and plan for something, and so you're potentially, when, depending when you start this, you're probably going to go over some sort of a fiscal year, year cycle to think about. Additionally, I would just say that if there's any kind of training or coaching component that is using to make this happen, um, that can really influence this timeline as well. Um, you know, our team assists organizations to help reduce this timeline as we really try to extend internal teams and help get things going. But I will say that many organizations try this and get it wrong, sometimes even a couple times, before they find and get the right people in place. Um, 
and then the last thing I would say about this, why that timing is, is just kind of seems to be the prevailing sweet spot, if you will, is because I think it takes enough time to get beyond those attitudes that might exist in the organization. And maybe you've experienced them, the this too shall pass, or this is just the flavor of the month or the year. Um, really, those, those attitudes exist often within staff and physicians who've been in an organization for a long time. And often, it, these attitudes kind of resurface in response to a new patient experience effort. So it just takes time to really show that the organization is committed to this, is resourcing this, and is focused on improving in this area. Well, obviously, patient experience is never done. Uh, so um, maybe you could gaze into your crystal ball and, and share what you see for the future of patient experience. I know that's a big question, but give us uh, give us some sense of where you think it's going. Yeah, thanks. It's it, it's gosh, I have so many things I would love to see it go into. I, I would have to say that um, this aspect of patient engagement is probably the next. Uh, place that I see this happening. And so for me, this is more than just semantics. There's a difference between patient experience and patient engagement, and there's a, there's a way that they're connected too. Um, right now, a lot of what you see in the marketplace with regard to what they're calling patient engagement focuses a lot on technology and a lot of like patient portals and apps and things like that. And I, I just think because there's so much of these two things, they both have the word patient in them and they both, the second word both begins with E, <laughs> you just see a ton of confusion out there between patient experience and patient engagement. And I have an analogy that actually came to me yesterday about how I see these two um, intersecting. So yesterday, um, I was dealing with a huge pile of leaves piled up in the gutter out at the end of our driveway after a huge rainstorm in the middle of the fall in Minneapolis. And I needed a shovel and I went into the garage to like find the snow shovel, which of course was like tucked in away behind the tandem bike and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I came across our extension ladder when I was trying to get down the shovel. And I was struck today about how that extension ladder is such a great image of how I see patient experience and patient engagement relating. So picture, you know, an extension ladder and that patient experience is really the bottom one of the two ladders in an extension ladder. Patient engagement to me is like the higher or the upper ladder that kind of comes off the lower one. And I really believe that patient engagement starts at the top rung of patient experience. So and here's why I say that. For many patients, and I would put myself in this category as well, it's only when they feel like they've been treated with courtesy and respect, that they've been listened to carefully, that then they're able to truly hear what their providers are saying. And when they do hear, it's really important that those providers are explaining things in a way that they can understand. So those three aspects, courtesy and respect, listening carefully, explaining things, those are all part of traditional communication and, and patient experience. So it's only when those aspects those key communication elements are really consistently achieved across those interactions that then we're able to actually engage patients in their own care. And, you know, the healthcare system, the bricks and mortar, hospitals, clinics, et cetera, we know that's just one small piece of the puzzle for patients. The reality is that so much more, really 40% of their overall determinants of health is within a patient's control. And it doesn't even intersect directly necessarily with a hospital or clinic. Things like medication adherence, our lifestyle choices have just as big of an impact on our outcomes, if not more, as the care that we receive in a hospital or clinic. 
So I believe and really hope that when we can sufficiently raise those experiences of the patients, we'll then be able to get into a place of even better outcomes because patients are then more engaged and activated to take control of their health. So that's the first thing I kind of see in my crystal ball is the emerging of this patient engagement work that can build off of uh, organizations who finally are hitting some success in terms of uh, patient experience. The other thing that I would add that I feel like is bound to come soon, and I'm really encouraged by some of the work that I'm seeing out there, um, has to do around uh, patient experience and policy. So um, folks like Dale Schaller and Jason Wolf and others have formed groups like the Patient Experience Policy Forum, or PXPF, which actually just convened in Washington, D.C. last month. Um, this group is really pushing for policy changes in six key focus points, um, and they just really believe that the interests of patients and families need to drive all public policy aimed at improving the healthcare experience. And so specifically, they're looking at things like advancing patient provider partnerships, uh, strengthening support for patient and family involvement, um, strengthening support for professional involvement, reducing disparities and improving patient-centered measurement and reporting, as well as elevating the value case for patient experience. And so when I see groups like that and I'm so encouraged by their work, you know, my hope is really at the minimum some improvement related to that even just one of those aspects that they're focused on, the patient-centered measurement and reporting, I really hope that that can be achieved by groups like this. And so hopefully with some reform in that area, I think we'd be able to help leaders realize that there is more to improving patient experience than just the scores. Well, thanks, Janice. This has been really informative. Our guest today has been Janice Gray, founding partner at DTA Associates. Please tune in again for my next podcast on the business of healthcare. This is Lonnie Hirsch wishing you great success in your healthcare business.